Welcome back to episode number 123 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices. All of us, together. I want to hear from you guys. I need to hear from you guys. You guys got to keep me apprised of the issues that's bugging you, because if it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging me, and it better be bugging the rest of us, because if we don't know how to handle situations when they come up, then uh, you're in a defensive position. You're never in a, in a better opportunity when you're on the defense when you can be on offense and have a good plan before those things rise. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I want to know what's going on with you guys because I'm selfish. <laughs> I want to know too. I want to know how to handle this stuff. That's a big reason. But I also think that there's some value in, in all of us having a, a united front on how we handle some of these issues and um, and we can move forward better, better set as a better profession. That's, that's my goal. And maybe it's hokey. I don't know, but it's me. It's the way I'm rolling. We're at 20, almost 2,300. It was like 2,289 likes on Facebook. We're at almost 24, just shy of 2,500 followers on Facebook. So, um, keep sharing the show. Keep telling your friends, letting people know about this podcast. Let them know what's going on because, uh, they might find some value in it. it might save their bacon on, a, on occasion, might get them out of an issue, or might prevent an issue from happening in the first instance, which is always better. Other ways you can support the show, you can uh, share and like, we said that one, but you can give a rating on iTunes or on Facebook. I've seen some in some of the, the podcast apps that I don't use, that I just haven't stumbled across, have my name and have a bunch of stars there. So um, not always the best, but it's, it's usually pretty high up there give me a rating. If it's not the best rating, just tell me why. Shoot me an email, jeff at the mpdude.com, or tell me on your uh, on your review that, uh, you know, Jeff stinks. I don't like what he says. He's full of crap. I don't care. Put that down. Just tell tell me what it is. Tell tell the world why you don't like what you're hearing. Jeff's boring. I'm cool with that. I, I, I don't disagree sometimes. <laughs> so if I'm droning on about something, I feel bored about it myself. I don't disagree. I try to be entertaining. I don't know. Everybody seems to like what I do, but I don't, I just being me being me. And it's weird for me because most people don't typically just like, gravitate towards me in a room. <laughs> so for people to want to listen to me, it's like, oh, okay, whatever, I guess. But I got valuable information locked up in my noggin. So apparently it's, it's more valuable than, uh, than the uh, droning on is. The other things that uh, you guys can do to help support the show, use the Amazon affiliate link. Go to the website, which is thenpdude.com. You click on the Amazon banner. It takes you to Amazon. Purchase the stuff, the awesome, cool stuff that you need in your life or want in your life. And uh, it doesn't cost you a single penny more. What it does do is it kicks me back a small percentage of the price of what you pay. And uh, I'm using it for web hosting. I did meet goal. We're in for a whole other year. So awesome. Let's keep going. Let's get 5,000 people on Facebook and uh, keep the uh, Amazon affiliate link rolling along as well. The other thing you can do, chronic attractable t-shirts. I got a couple left. If you guys want one, email me, jeff at the npdude.com. 25 buckaroos gets you a funny shirt, and uh, I think they're funny. And uh, gets some strange looks, and people wondering what the heck that means, and just this good conversation starter. Wear it to school. You can wear it to your class. That'd be awesome, right? You guys could wear that to class. NP school. It'd be funny as heck. Got a question that came in through somebody was trying to you know, uh, request that I help them legally from um, from an a attorney standpoint. They wanted me to actually represent them, and and I and I have to kind of double back on this and explain to people that I do work essentially full time. I've a couple days off during the week, but I, I charting and working long hours. At the, you know, the days that I'm in the office seeing patients, 
uh, this is a side gig, so I can't be representing people in court. I can't be, you know, taking off work, seeing patients that are, you know, scheduled six months out to go represent you at board actions. That's not really what I'm here to do, but I am here to help you with review of contract. I'm also available to answer questions. I've written some nasty grams to, to employers. I've written nasty grams to other people, just non-NP uh, related. If you have a, an issue and you're like, you know what, I don't know who to go to and I just need a well-worded letter that says what I know the law is, um, we'll, we'll, I'll be happy to help you with that. But this individual was looking for something that was a little outside of the scope of what I wanted to get into, but I wanted to be able to help this help them with understanding what the law is. Situation, and I'm not going to use the exact hypothetical because I don't know all of the details, but I'm going to go ahead and just say NP is working in an office that is run, uh, owned, operated, managed, it doesn't really matter, by someone of authority that is a... Um, an MD or DO. It doesn't even matter what they are, but they're, they're opposite sex. They're male, you're female. Okay. NP's female. And, um, numerous derogatory statements, numerous, um, sexist remarks, all that good stuff that comes down the pike. And, um, the stuff that, that me being male, I've, you know, very seldom have I had to do, you know, as a guy being a nurse, you kind of get some you know, presumptions about you, but none of that's even ever bothers me. Um, but the, um, as a female, I have no, no idea. So I'm not going to put myself in your shoes and say, look, you know, I, you know, I think you're being over, you know, overly sensitive about this. I don't think that's true. I think that these, these things happen all the time. And so I think that talking about hostile work environment and a hostile work claim is probably worthwhile because it's going to be something that you guys can run into and it can go the other way as well. You can have same sex hostile work environment claims as well. Hostile work environment is really only sorry, slippery road. There we go. Is only really relating to sexual harassment claims in the employment law situation. So in, in employment law, sexual harassment can happen two ways. The first is a quid pro quo type situation, and the second one is a hostile work environment claim. The quid pro quo was, is usually pretty easy, and that's basically this for that is what quid pro quo means. And, and what you're basically doing is um, boss comes up to you, flirts with you, and says, hey, I'll give you a Saturdays off if you, you know, take care of some sexual favors or something. And, you know, you're not necessarily not unattracted to this person and you do it. So it's kind of mutual, but you're getting a benefit that other people aren't getting. Even though you willingly go in and do it, that's a quid pro quo. And you may have regret later and say, yeah, I really didn't, shouldn't have done that. Or I really don't feel like, I, you know, that wasn't the appropriate thing to do. And I'm really not into that person and you, you kind of want to break up with them. And now there's some, you know, retaliation against you. Now you work every Saturday, something like that. And, and that's that's a real generic example, but you can kind of get the picture of what happens with the quid, quid pro quo. The other one is the hostile work claim, and these ones are more, um, it's harder because there's not necessarily physical touching uh, between the two parties. And, oh man, is it slippery. Holy crap, I'm sliding, I'm sliding. Please slow down. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. It's really slippery out. Slide into a rounder, roundabout. Good thing it's a roundabout, not a stop sign. <laughs> just almost slid right into the middle section of a roundabout. All right, 
we're back on a straight. So the hostile work claim, basically, the, the big picture here is that you have to have two things. It's a two-pronged test. It's got to be, one, severe, and two, pervasive. So severe means it's got to be such a violation that in most states they use a reasonable person standard. And in some states they use a reasonable female standard. So is it inherently sexist to use a reasonably you know, prudent female would find that to be sexually harassing? I don't know, right? So I, I think that more, that's why the majority tends to be just a reasonable person would say, yeah, you, you shouldn't do that to your employee. That's sexist and, ra- and you shouldn't be putting them subject to that, that situation. And we'll go through some examples of what the, what these things are. So there's there's the severe issue. The severe, if you wanted a good example of what's not severe, if you're working in a relatively close space, physically together, um, boss and female subordinate, and the boss is putting stuff on a shelf, turns around and his elbow brushes against the employee's breast or something. She's putting something up, and it was completely an accident. And you apologize and say, I'm really sorry I did. That wasn't, I didn't mean to do that. I'm really sorry. Um, and that was it. That wouldn't be very severe. Now, if that little innocuous event occurred, but it happened over and over and over and over again, that's pervasive. So if it's not very severe, but it's very pervasive, it could be a hostile work environment claim. And vice versa. If it's if it's extremely severe, it doesn't have to be very pervasive. I mean, if you reach over and you blatantly grab someone's butt, and it's your subordinate, that that's that doesn't have to happen all the. It just has to happen once. Done. That's a reasonably prudent person wouldn't do that, or a reasonable reasonable person would expect that that would be you know sexual harassment. So that's the the basics of it. Now, in this instance, if you have an employer that is just constantly making sexist remarks, that's that's all you need. Shop talk counts. Shop talk is, uh, there was a number of cases I remember in law school that, this is back in 2003, I actually looked up when I took this class. It was 2003. So forgive me, it's 15 years ago. And I haven't thought about it since. (laughs) I've really thought about hostile work environment really that much since this. And, and, um, but I do recall that there was a number of cases that said, you know, if you're in the shop of, you know, the workshop and it's a bunch of guys and you got, you know, the, the, the auto mechanic that's got the naked girl pictures of on the calendar up on the wall and, and you hire a female that would be reasonably offended by that, you got to take that stuff down. You can't keep that stuff up. Even if you hire an employee that's a male that is, you know, say a Mormon or something, and they're like, no, I'm really offended by that. Or just a reasonable standard, you know, you get a very religious person or a very modest person that says, you know, I don't think that that should be up. You got to take that crap down. You can't leave that stuff up. You can't allow that to happen. So there's no shop talk. You can't swear. You can't talk about graphic things. You can't, those are all things that, that can get you in trouble as an employer that um, if you let it slide and let it slide, you could be consenting to that behavior and you could be on the hook for a hostile work claim. Once it's brought to your attention, you got to take action on that. You got to stop it, end it, make it go away. Um, same sex doesn't matter. 
used to be that it had to be a male to female. Now it can be female to female, male to male. It doesn't matter. Anybody that's doing any activity that would be reasonably considered by a reasonable person to be a hostile sexual harassment claim, you're screwed. So what do you do as an employee? If you're an employee, an NP, and you're, you're, you're collaborative or the office manager or somebody in your environment is being inappropriate with you, you document the crap out of it. In Ohio, you can record things as long as one party has knowledge of the recording occurring, you are good to go. So I would have my phone with my record button ready to go, and every time that person would come around, I would hit the button and keep it in my pocket and just record the encounter, do my job the way I would do it anyways, and if I catch them doing stuff inappropriate, I, I, just, I have it in my back pocket. Now, I wouldn't use that as leverage against them to get a better contract deal or anything like that, but if for any reason they, their advances, you know, I, I'm done, I can't do this, you go to your lawyer with it. Or you go to them and say, look, you need to stop doing this. I've got recordings of you doing this. And by the way, if you don't stop, I'm going to sue the crap out of you. And there's not, as an employer, what's cool about this is that, or as, as, a, as an attorney, what's cool about this is that you go personally to the individual and you can get the company. So you can get both deep pockets. So even if the employer is the owner and is an MD that's rich as hell, you can go after him personally for the actions. Right? Kind of nice. There's no limited liability. They can't shirk behind the the uh, the um, the veil of, of uh, the, the corporate the corporate veil, so to speak. They can't hide behind that. It goes to them, attaches them individually, and as a company. So nice, right? So you can get paid. Especially where, where does that come in? It's when usually you're leaving. You're usually leaving, you put up with it long enough, you're like, I'm out of here, and you want out, then they start being even more hostile, and now it turns from sexual harassment to you're getting the crappy hours, you're getting the crappy patients, they're dumping on you, they're fighting your, your non-compete, they're they're changing your contract terms unilaterally, they're doing a bunch of crap that you shouldn't be doing. That's usually where this stuff comes up. But don't put up with it. Don't put up with it. Go in immediately and shut that shit down. You, you document it, you record it, you write it down, you write down notes about it. If you get little love letters that are, you know, going to you that are inappropriate, you keep copies of those and you have a, you have a file. You make a dossier <laughs> like the FBI does on the Russians, right? You make a dossier and you put it, you put it away in your back pocket and you have it. Not necessarily to use as leverage, but to just keep people from being assholes. And if you ever need to get out of your deal, that's a nice thing to lay down on the table and say, look, I just want away from you. And by the way, I want my severance that you owe me. Pay me now or this becomes a problem for you. Leverage, it's not, eh, I guess. <laughs> Use it as leverage. I don't care. You see what I'm trying to get to. The, um, the hostile work claim, though, I get people all the time that will call me up or email me or PM me and they'll say... Jeff, I have a hostile work environment claim that I want you to help me with. And I'm like, well, well tell me the situation. I'm, you know, I'll just, I want to hear what's going on with you. And um, they'll talk about the just, just jerks. They're, they're tyrants of, of an employer. Just mean, jerky people. That's not necessarily a hostile working claim. A hostile work claim is specific to sexual harassment. There may be other things, you know, intentional infliction of emotional distress or some other claim that you can have, but it's not typically going to be in the grounds of employment law. It's going to be under other other stuff. 
Now, you might get them on it if you can twist it somehow into sexually related. Then you might be able to get get a, get a tooth to bite into that. But it's got to be specific to sexual harassment. So I hope I helped on that one. I know that was a, it's, it's a important one. Most people don't want to think about it. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most females at some point in their career have dealt with sexual harassment in some form or fashion, whether it was when you were in college and you were working at the local coffee shop or whether you were working in, you know, as an NP and, you know, some, someone made advances on you. It's just, it's, it's pervasive. And I think it really happens. I really do. So keep track of it. Keep, keep aware of that. You do have rights against that. And, um, it can be very expensive for the employer because you can get lost wages, you can, if you, if you leave because of sexual harassment claim, then, and you can't find another job, and you're in good faith trying to find a job, you're trying to mitigate your damages by looking for work of same or similar nature, and you can't find it, they have to basically pay you for your loss of your job, so if you have a year where you couldn't work, they might be paying a year's of your salary, it's hard to prove though, you got to prove it, but it's possible, Usually it'll end up somewhere in the middle. But so you can see how expensive that could be for, a, for an employer. It could be really, really expensive. All right, second thing we want to talk about today. Got another email from uh, somebody, uh, the chronic contractable, newer chronic contractable. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to call you. I'm not using names, never do, unless you tell me I can. And this individual says, just got hired. First NP going into this office. They have PAs and MDs and DOs and whatnot. But no other NPs. What should I expect how should I how should I operate? What should I do? How should I, what scope of practice do I need to worry about? Well, you need to know your scope of practice anyways. So you need to go to your state board of nursing's website and you need to find out exactly what your scope of practice is. If you're FNP, are you allowed to do acute care admitting? I don't know. That depends on your state. That's really state driven and I'm not even going to pretend to know what it is in in Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee or Colorado. I could I had no idea. I don't, I don't practice there and I don't pretend to know. So you need to know what you can do. Now, what I would encourage you to do going into this environment is that um it's new for everybody. So you need to make it as painless as possible for your employer, the the uh collaborative physician if you have one. Um, the manager for the office, and uh, you want to mesh well with the PAs. Now, what's the main difference between the PAs and the MPs? Functionally, in primary care, there ain't a whole hell of a lot of difference. There really isn't. The functional difference is that in most states, there's more oversight administratively that's required. In other words, the physician has to sign off on the charts so many of them. Some of some states, it's all of the charts have to be signed off by the physician. Other states, it's you know a certain percentage have to be signed off every day though. So every day they got to log in, look at the chart, see that if they agree and sign them, and they co-sign the charts. Man, it's really slippery out. As an NP, you do not need co-signs. Period. So if he wants to co-sign or she wants to co-sign your chart, it doesn't hurt anything but it's completely unnecessary. So if it forces them to review your chart so that they feel comfortable with you, say, you could review it if you want. You don't need to, so you can save some time. In the future, once they feel comfortable with you, you can say, look, you don't waste your time. If you have a question about a patient, just come talk to me. We'll go through it. There's no reason to go look at the chart, sign off on it. There's, you don't have to keep charts open. 
That's the big deal. Now, as far as billing is concerned, that was another question in this email about what's different between billing between an, an NP, a PA, and a, and, a, and a physician. Other than the reimbursement rates that are, that are with some of the CMSs, like Medicare, Medicaid, is 85%. Whether you're a PA or an NP, it's the same. It's 85% of what the physician would bill. And in a lot of private insurances, it's the same. It's 100%. It just depends on the deal you cut with the insurance companies, if it's private. So it really depends. It depends. My favorite answer. The, um, the function is going to be exactly the same. You're both going to use the same billing codes. You're all, th- or both, all three of you are going to use the same billing codes. You're going to do the same job. You're going to do the same standard of care. You're going to do the same medicines. You're going to do the same therapies. You're going to review the same labs. So functionally, you're going to do the same damn job. And you're going to bill it the same way. And you're going to have a little bit less oversight, most likely, than what a PA would have. So in theory, you're going to have an easier go of it, of being less of a burden on the physicians in the group. However, my bet is they're going to treat you guys exactly the same. They're going to have a quote-unquote mid-level policy that, you know, so many charts get reviewed and, you know, that's the standard. But in reality, they won't need to necessarily do that. Now, what they do need to do is review so many of your charts every so often, depending on the state. So there's a look-back period in Ohio that's a six-month. Um, I think the rule said a year, but my, everybody always says six months. And uh, I haven't looked it up recently, and I'm not going to look it up because my contract says every six months my collaborative's going to look it up, and, I'm, and I know it's less than, than what the statute says because I did look it up at one time. So every six months, my collaborative physician takes a sampling of my charts. He looks at a stack of them, and he, he's, he has comments or not. And then what we do is we, we have them initial at the, on that, physically on that hard copy. We scan them in, and we put them in a file folder, and we keep a hard copy of it. So that way, if, if the board of nursing ever asks, we have them. There's another way you can do it, too, and it depends on the state's requirements. But I've seen other places where they'll have a log list that's in your collaborative agreement where you um, list the chart, the charts that were reviewed and sign off that, you know, 12 charts were reviewed, X number of them had controlled substances, um, signature, physician, and date. So it's attached into the collaborative agreement. So even if you lose all of those, you at least have a signature and an endorsement that, that it was done. That's tied with your collaborative agreement. I've seen that as well. And that's not a bad way of doing it. It's just more administrative stuff. So I don't necessarily disagree with doing it that way. I would still like to have hard copies of the actual um, reviewed charts. So that way, it's just it's the most pristine. So I can always hold on to those and say, look, and, you know, 10 years from now, if the board says, oh, you didn't have a collaborative look at your stuff, I can pull them out and say, there they are, right there. That's the, that's the ideal. Now, um... Congratulations. I mean, I should say that first. That's fantastic. Getting a great job is awesome. Um, I, I, I think the big picture is don't, don't display the main differences between what we do. If you're the only NP, you're not, you know, you're not going to go in there with guns a-blazing talking about how awesome NPs are and all this, that, and the other thing. You're not going to do that anyways. It's kind of ridiculous. Be pro-nurse practitioner, but be pro-provider. We're all providers. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to help people, and we want to make a little coin along the way. So just just focus more on the similarities of what you have in common with everybody, which is really just seeing patients taking care of people and doing good care. That's really what it comes down to. 
Don't give them a reason to not choose to, to hire an NP again. Do good work. That's it right there, right? It's getting slipperier. So I'm going to sign off. So you guys, if you have questions, I'd love hearing from you guys. I'm having a blast. My, my contract review side gig is turning into almost a full-time gig. So, um, and I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to be doing it. So keep sending me uh, contracts in Ohio. I can only do Ohio. It's illegal for me. It's, it's a bar violation for me to do contract reviews with other states just doesn't work. And I see people saying, well, I'm not really reviewing their contract, but what I am doing is educating them about contracts. And that's a fine line. And I bet the bar would find out that that is not a cool way of doing it. So if I find out if anybody's doing shenanigans, they're not an attorney in Ohio, I'm probably going to turn you in the state bar. I have to, it's a rule. I got to turn in lawyers. We have to turn in each other. If you see something shady going on. So fair warning, anybody out there reviewing contracts without a law license, you're going to get turned in. I guarantee it. You're going to get busted. It's going to be expensive, but, um, having a blast with the contract review stuff. So send me an email, Jeff at the MPD.com. You want me to look at your contract? Be happy to do it. Um, the other ways we talked about, you can support the show, but reiterate again, right? You guys got to help me out. I need to, I need your help. If we want to keep this thing going, you got to tell people about it. You got to give me ratings and I need you guys to start using the Amazon affiliate link so that we can help financially pay for the show. Start banking money for next year. This money sits there. It's not like I use it, it just sits there. And then I'm going to convert it over into uh, web hosting fees next year. So keep using the Amazon affiliate link. You guys out there that got new jobs, Show them what we're about. Show them how hard we work. Show them how smart we are and that we're just as talented as anybody else that can provide primary care and other kick-ass in what you do. Sorry, slippery. Road. Oh, my gosh. I swear I'm going to wreck today. i got to get off this thing. So uh, be smart. Be safe. Kick-ass. We'll talk soon.